Here's a story of a lawyer who quit her really stressful job in London with the world's largest grossing law firm so that she can start a family. And now she lives in Costa Rica and has a seven-figure Amazon business at a 40% profit. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And speaking of serious sellers in the e-commerce world, we have got a serious seller here, Anne, who's coming to us from Costa Rica. Anne, how's it going? Hi, Bradley. I'm pretty good quarantining here in Costa Rica. Excellent. Excellent. I could think of worse places to be quarantining in. So, so you're, you've got it made over there. Now, I just wanted to preface something, you know, something uh, I've been thinking about lately. I always have a very similar opening to my shows here where I talk about serious strategies for serious sellers. But in the beginning, which is what we're going to do with you now, we're going to be talking a little bit about your life story. And, and sometimes I think maybe people think, wait a minute, serious strategies, you know, shouldn't this just be all about Amazon hacks or or what's the best review strategy, or what's the best launch strategy. And yeah, we talk about those things, but a lot of times, and you could, you could agree or disagree with me, Anne, but you know, when we talk about being successful in e-commerce, the strategies sometimes that are long-lasting and more important are like the life strategies that people choose. Like, you know, yeah, the, the latest hack on, on how to get to page one, you know, that could change by the months. And we'll talk about those, but what I have found in talking to the over now 100 guests I've had sometimes the real value is, is how they got to where they are right now. Like what life decisions they made, how did they strategize their life to really get to the place where they're at right now? So I I do think it's important to talk about that. So for you personally, you have a very interesting kind of life journey, but let's take it back to even before, like, I know a lot about you because I've had you on a webinar before (laughs) and I've seen some of your videos, but what about your childhood? Like, where did you grow up? I knew you, you were working in UK at some point in your life, but based on your accent, it doesn't sound like you were born there. No, definitely not. Um, I grew up in Chicago in a, in a conservative family, conservative household. I mean, you know, I had the typical Midwestern childhood, but I also, my parents were a banker and a lawyer. So there was definitely, and, and they are amazing, wonderful, and an incredibly intelligent people. But they're definitely more on the, like, they're, they're more safety minded, you know, have a job that's, that's going to be secure. Don't take risks. I mean, that's kind of like what it means to be a banker and a lawyer is to be pretty risk averse. Um, so yeah, I was the black sheep of the family in that sense. <laughs> yeah, but, but growing up in that kind of surrounding, like what were some of your initial goals? Because sometimes when you're young, your goals and, and what you think you're going to be when you quote unquote grow up are, are kind of molded by maybe your, your parental authorities or something. So, you know, in elementary school, junior high school, did you have a vision of what you wanted to be? You know, I kind of really didn't. I think, I guess, because I just didn't think that creatively at the time. And I, I didn't really like the idea of work in general. So I never had that, Ooh, this is what I want to do when I grow up. I was really good at school. I mean, I, I, I really like learning. So I loved the school environment all the way through university and post-grad. Um, and it's something I actually really love about e-com still is, is the ability to keep learning and doing courses. But 
the only dream I had was that I wanted to have my own horse one day. That was the, the only dream I had. And, and I ended up becoming a lawyer. I didn't really think it through. I just, it's like, well, I was good at school. What do people who are good at school and not creative do, I guess, become a lawyer. So that, so that's what I did in my previous life. Okay. So you went to college and then got your, how long does that take to become a lawyer? Is that six years, eight years? Well, I went to university um, at Tulane as an undergrad, and then I wasn't ready to go to law school yet. So I did a master's in environmental policy. I thought I wanted to be an environmental lawyer. And I went to Oxford in England to do that. Um, And that's when I really fell in love with England and I wanted to stay. So I ended up doing my law degree over there. So I'm actually or was an English solicitor and not a not a U.S. attorney. Um, and then uh, I stayed and worked in London as a, as a corporate lawyer for five years, worked for the man. Work for the man. Now, from what I hear that, that was a very small mom and pop company, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I worked for, I worked for the highest grossing law firm in the world. So it was a, I was a very small cog in a very large wheel. Now, now that's a position I would assume is, you know, translated to dollars would be a six figure salary? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you were making some some good money over there living in the UK, but there came to be a time in your life where you're like, I mean, because obviously you're not a lawyer in the UK right now, you're you're chilling in Costa Rica. So what triggered you to to think about a life switch at that time? For me, it really got to the point where I didn't have another option. I worked in um, oil and gas project finance um, post-Japanese nuclear crisis. So in 2008 is when I started. So everybody else had nothing to do and we were super busy. I mean, I was billing 3,000 hours a year, which translates to working like 16-hour days every day for 12 months. Um, And I was having no time off, no sleep, super high stress. and, and at one point I actually went to the HR woman and said, I, I need you to refer me. I got to speak to someone cause I can't like handle my, my stress. And in my team of 10 people, there were four people, including a partner who were hospitalized for more than two months with stress related illnesses. I mean, it's not just people complaining, being like, oh, I can't hang. It's like really, uh, causing serious health issues. And, and it was just like, I just realized this is not what. I want from my life because they try to make you feel like it's all worth it. The, the work you're doing is so important that it's worth missing birthdays, missing weddings, missing every social engagement, you know? Um, and I just saw partners retiring and you're like, Oh, so sad you're leaving. And then the next day, uh, life moves on. And I thought, man, you know, this really isn't what I want from my life. The work, this work doesn't fulfill me enough. Yeah. So were you somebody who thought that you wanted kids from an early age? Or is that something that over you're already in the UK, you were thinking about having one day or that was like the farthest thing from your mind? I'm an only child. I've never been super maternal, but I also think, you know, I, I knew I wanted to have a family at some point. And what I really saw women in law, I mean, law is, is still a really, um, it's, it's led by men, you know, and most of the partners are mm-hmm. men and the women who have kids, it's like, you got to, they try to pretend and work like they don't have children, you know, so they're not seen as less than. Um, And so they're pregnant working until two or three in the morning, and then they have kids and they're stressing if they're going to get home to relieve their nannies. So um, 
I just really saw that was not what I wanted because I saw a lot of my friends who had kids literally have breakdowns and, and most of them left work. And I thought that's not, that's not what I want for my kids in the future. Okay. So, I mean, like working those hours, I couldn't even imagine thinking that, that I would have time for a family, let alone the time to find, to have a relationship to even get to that point, right? I mean, no. Or fun or anything. I mean, literally my only conversations were with work people. It was really awful. All right. Now, the change you made was not Amazon at this time. So talk us through, like, what did you start looking through? Because, you know, you, you didn't know what you're going to do. You're like, hey, I'm a lawyer. I just, I just know I can't keep living this lifestyle. How did you start searching for something else to do? And, and what brought you to Costa Rica, in other words? <laughs> Google. Um, what else? <laughs> uh, actually, it, it was a friend of mine I was calling to cancel plans and I was in like fits, fits of tears. Um, and she was like, and, you know, you got to quit your job. And I said, I can't quit my job. I live in London. It's expensive. And, you know, I have a mortgage on my house and I'm not qualified to do anything else. You know, all I can do is lie. And she said, if you could do anything in the world, regardless of whether it was practical, what would it be? And I said, probably run a hotel or a bar on the beach in Latin America somewhere because uh, I like people and I spoke Spanish. My undergrad is in Latin American studies. And I, I was at work procrastinating and I literally Googled hotels for sale Latin America. And I ended up buying the third, like the, the third link that came up was a hostel that I ended up buying. <laughs> you're, you're like one of those people who, who has one of those globes and then they spin it around and then I'm gonna, like, wherever my finger lands, that's, that's where I'm going to, that's where I'm going to go next. Yeah. Like, Oh, this sounds, this sounds all right. Actually what happened? And my, I went, I filled in a request for information on the property listing and the guy who called me back sounded so freaking happy, so happy. And everybody I knew was a lawyer and they were miserable. And this was February in London, which is especially miserable. And I, I decided I went out for a vacation to see it for 10 days. And I stayed there and I looked at a bunch of other businesses too. And at the end I made an offer and my offer was rejected. I'm like, what am I thinking? I can't quit my job, move to the beach in Costa Rica. Like, who does that? So I, I went back and I put my suit on, which always felt like Halloween to me. And I walked into my <laughs> office and I looked at the fluorescent lights and I said, I can't do this for one more minute. And I went and mm -hmm. I quit and I bought a ticket. Everything's for sale in Costa Rica. I'm like, I would just buy a lot and build something if I have to. I'll figure it out. So within six weeks, I left my job, sold my house. My friends all thought I was crazy. They acted like I was jumping off a cliff. Um, and I moved there. And three days after I arrived, the owner of the hostel called me and called my estate agent and said, if, if that chick still wants the hostel, tell her she can have it. So even before, even before you had the hostel, you had already put into process your, you know, you had already put in your two week notice and you had already started to go move over there. Yeah. It's three months notice in, in England actually, but, but they, they let you out of it. But yeah, I just, I sold my house and, and I was living, I'd actually moved to Costa Rica with, with two suitcases when, when he accepted. Wow. Uh, did you notice a change like right away, just in like your stress level, your demeanor, your, your happiness level, like even though you didn't even know what you were going to do, but just being away from that, that stressful environment. Absolutely. You know, one of my neighbors pointed it out to me and, and it was something I hadn't even thought of. So I live 
in Tamarindo, but actually w- my business is in Tamarindo, Costa Rica, which is a, it's a decently sized for Costa Rica. Um, it's like two streets, but it's a decently sized um, tourist town. But I live in the next beach over Langosa, which is very quiet and it's mostly residential and everybody knows each other and everybody goes down to sunset every night to, to watch because nobody lives more than a block from the beach. And I was down at sunset and everybody says, man, like, look how beautiful. This is so great. It's the good life, huh? And my, my friend Mike said, who's been there forever, everybody calls him grandpa, said, you know, it's so funny. Like back when I was in the States, everybody, you know, you get together and everybody talks about how miserable they are. And here it's the opposite. And I thought, man, that is so true. When I was a lawyer, I mean, I know other e-com, it's different e-com. People are pretty happy people. I, I have since discovered, but lawyers, bankers, when you get together on Thursday or Friday night for drinks, when you're talking about how many hours you've worked, how annoying your clients are, how little of a life you had, you know, it's a lot of complaining. And here in Costa Rica, even, you know, even if you don't have any money, like going to the beach is free. You can get dollar beers at the grocery store. You know, you get a surfboard, it's free. Um, it's just a really different, slow style of life where the, the, what people are looking for is not more, more, more achieve by stuff, achieve by stuff. It's like, just be happy. Yeah, that's great. Now you, you got the hostel and now, you know, that's, that's your main source of income. So explain how you got to Amazon then, because it sounds like you're already living in paradise. You got what you wanted. So why, why the need to, to kind of pivot again, even though you, I know you still have the hostel now, but, but why do you want to add that additional income? Well, my hostel is pretty small. There's four private rooms and, and two shared dorm rooms. Um, so our max capacity is 30 to 35. So there's a ceiling there and it was fine when it was just me, but, um, I met my, uh, ex partner down here and we had a son, an amazing, gorgeous little son. And then shortly after that, we had our daughter. And when I was pregnant with my daughter, I started realizing, you know, we do not have enough money to, to live comfortably with two kids. And I mean, I was used to my being a lawyer was my first ever real job. So I was used to living comfortably. Like I don't need to be Mrs. Richie rich, but I also don't want to be counting my pennies at the grocery store. So I started thinking about, it was just in my head, like what else could I do? And I have this friend, he moved here after me and they, I just noticed they kept living larger and larger in the sense, like they had a nanny, they had a chef. I was really jealous of their chef because I, I hate to cook. And then his wife who's a good friend of mine threw him this super epic surprise birthday party that was like meals included booze. I'm like, man, this is such a crazy party. Like where does their money come from? And right after that, um, uh, is a course doing a launch for selling on Amazon. And, and my friend posted about it and said, a lot of people don't know, but you know, we started in e-commerce and I was like, man, what he's doing, I want to know. So I called him and we had a chat and he's kind of like an out there dude. He's a little weird. And, um, and he was telling me about his journey with e-com and like how quickly it scaled and that he'd had no prior experience and something inside me just clicked and said, it just felt like this is the right thing. And I thought if he can do it, I can do it. Um, and I had, I was broke as a joke. I had, we had no money at the time, like literally a few hundred dollars in our bank account. 
So um, I had to call my mama <laughs> and ask her mm-hmm. for a loan. And, and she gave me a loan to start Amazon. Huh. Okay. So you took, took a course, you learned all the, you wanted about Amazon and then you, you, you got your first product. Now your first product, is that something you're still selling now? Yes, it is. So you hit a home run on your first product. <laughs> yeah, it was my first product was was successful and I and I kept growing it and you know, going back to what you were saying at the beginning, serious sellers, serious strategies, um I am not a strategist. I use no serious strategies. Um I really am not good at technology. I have no marketing experience. Um so I think there are many, in my opinion, there are many different ways to be successful on Amazon and you don't need to be an expert in everything. You know, I think you don't need all the hacks all the time. Cause it's true. What you said, those are short term options. What works today might not work next week. And since I started selling in 2017, everything has changed. Uh, what I, what I really believe in and what is the things that I, I I think you can play to your strengths. I know a ton of people who love data. What I really focus on is who am I selling to? Like, who's my avatar? And then making sure I, I really like to innovate with everything I do, but making sure that, you know, I, I know my avatar is someone who pays more for higher quality things. So finding samples that are just better. and then branding. You know, I think it's just branding, branding, branding is, is the huge key. And that's not just about having a brand name and having a good logo. It's having a whole sort of theme around what you do and, and also really a message that you're sending to the people that you're marketing to that's authentic. How did you find that product? I mean, was it something you, you were already, you know, had an interest in and, and you just saw a need or did you actually, you know, study the market and say, oh, this doesn't have that many reviews. I mean, it sounds like you're not that kind of person who's using algorithms and formulas to, to, to see uh, if a market is ripe for the picking. But so how did, how did you land on what you ended up with? Well, it was a lot of it was gut feel. So I started searching in, in the niche in the, you know, I was six months pregnant when I started my course and my baby was like a month old when I started selling. So, um, I knew I wanted to do something in the baby and family niche. So I was looking through there and I found this product that I thought, you know, this is cool. And I basically seen a bunch of, I've, I followed influencers and companies who were using that stuff like off Amazon, doing really beautiful things with social media and selling really high quality products. And what I found on Amazon was that actually the ones that were for sale were not high quality. You know, these big brands that I'd been following were not on Amazon. So I thought, you know, hey, maybe this is a place where I could kind of do something new. And, and, it, and there were some innovations that I wanted to use because it's obviously uh, it's, a, it's a product that I use myself. So I kind of knew what women would be looking for. And, and the existing products didn't, didn't have these features that you're No, they about. didn't. Not on Amazon. There were some people doing it off Amazon, but at really high price points. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So I ordered samples from Alibaba, you know, same thing that, that everybody does. I found my suppliers, ordered a bunch of samples and one was just like head and shoulders above the rest. 
The sample that I chose was twice as expensive as all the other samples, but in my opinion, way more than twice the quality. And most people for my product were selling between 20 and $40. And I, I started at 40 and then I went up to 50 was selling more Then I went up to 60, uh, and was selling more. And then I went up to, I'm up to 70 and you know, that's where I've been holding. So what's your profit margins then? 40%. 40%. I mean, that, <laughs> that's just like, you just uh, blew everybody's <laughs> mind who's selling on Amazon, who's like so proud of themselves that they get 20%. Woohoo, look at me. And then here we got Anne crushing it with, with double it. So that, I mean, that's an excellent point, you know, because so many people, they want to go for the, the $15, $20 products and like, oh man, everybody's selling at 22. I got to be at 21 or I got to be at 1997 so that people will consider me. But there is a big chunk of the population out there who in some things, like if you're talking about the baby, you know, baby category, you know, if this is your, your most prized family member, your most prized possession, as it were, you know, more valuable to you than a, any car can be or any, your kitchen can be or anything is, is a, you know, a life that you created. You want the best and, and psychologically it's like, Hey, I'm not going to get this, you know, $18 and 97 cents thing, this $70 one. Hey, I want to get my baby the best. And so sellers need to understand is it's not always just about trying to be the, the cheapest, but cater to those people who want quality and, and give them that quality. And, you know, don't, don't take one of those $5 samples and, and sell it for $70, you know, cause you're going to get bad reviews, but I'm sure your reviews are good because you probably promote that you're the best quality, but then people get it and they can actually see that you're the best quality, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. I, you definitely do not want to just price high because, because you know, you're, you're trying to, for sure. You have to have, uh, the, the quality and the design to back it up. But I really, I do really think that that's something that's missing on Amazon that people are looking for now. I think that you know, there are so many cheaper products because Amazon, when it started out, like people were going to Amazon because it was less expensive than mm -hmm. other, you know, direct going direct to people's websites. But I think there is a gap in the market. There are people now who just love Amazon because of Prime and now it's one day shipping and the shipping is free. I mean, and, and they're looking for higher quality items and there's a lot of brand names that don't sell on Amazon because they don't want to give Amazon that percentage. How many total SKUs do you have right now? I have 21 SKUs. Okay. And all, all the same brand, I assume, right? Yeah. Now in 2019, what were your gross sales? 1.4 million. 1.4 million, 40% profit. Folks out there, it doesn't take a computer <laughs> like mine. To know that she's probably making a little bit more than she did even as a lawyer. So that's pretty awesome. My lawyer friends are so mad. They're so <laughs> mad. They all think that I'm like living this poor life. Like, you know, they want to believe that, right? Because they're so yeah. stuck in their office jobs. Um, but my best friend is still a lawyer. When I told her, you know, I was like, I'm making like three times what I made when I was at Latham. She was like, wait, what? Yeah. Oh, now I really hate it. And how much work? Uh, you're obviously not putting it in 16 hour days like you did when you were an attorney for your Amazon business. Like how many hours a week does it take for you to run your Amazon business? Well, I will tell you last year. So this is kind of going back to what you're saying about, you know, life hacks, not just yeah. work hacks. So mm -hmm. I think it's really important. You know, everybody talks about like, what's your why and, and why do you start? Um, and as an entrepreneur, 
I never thought about self-development until I went to my first Amazon conference and I saw that, you know, entrepreneurs are super into self-development because you've got to, you've got to rely on you, right? Um, yep. The buck stops with you. So you got to be the best version of yourself. And then I started getting into that, you know, productivity and, and self-development. Um, but but the reason, and I, and it comes back to why are you doing this? And I started this business because I wanted to be able to work from home for my kids and my daughter. So I put in a lot of work and then, and, and then the business started doing well. Um, I only started end of 2017. So 2018 was my first year. Um, and then 2019, I thought, you know, like this year, it's my daughter's last year before she starts preschool. And, um, I, the business is doing better than I ever imagined. I could spend all this time investing in new products and investing, you know, learning all these new, you know, I got to like learn many chat. I got to learn all this stuff. And I thought, you know what, like my why was to be with my kids and I want to take, I made a conscious decision to kind of take 2019, not off, but I just let, I, I rode with what I was doing and to spend the time with my kids, spent some money. I did some shopping. We did some amazing trips um, just me and me and my kids. Um, and I just had a really fun year and it reminded me why I love this business so much. And I think the stuff that I was doing, what I was putting out, I was putting out with a lot of love in terms of my, my marketing, my social media content. And then at the end of the year, I was like, okay, that was fun. Now I'm going to like, go forward a hundred percent. Um, and so this year I think I'm going to launch like 20 new products across my brand. And I'm partnering with a friend on a new brand. After, you know, going to the conferences and, and learning more things and, and just being able to, to expand to the 19 SKUs, walk me through your week. I mean, obviously you're, you're managing a, a hostel at the same time, but do you have employees who are running your Amazon business for you, running your social media, or do you dedicate an hour a day? Are you working five hours a day? What, what's a typical well, so work week for you? So I hired at the end of 2018, I hired a manager who's a friend of mine for the hostel. So now I have nothing to do with the hostel. He does everything um, because I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, and, and my Amazon business makes so much more money. So um, yeah. And, and I, I will also say I, up until the end of last year, so I, I had done well over a million, like, I mean, I got my business to seven figures all by myself. No. VAs, no employees, no agencies, no, not, not even any software doing my PPC. Um, just me, mm -hmm. single mom, two kids. Um, I mean, in the middle of doing that too, I had like a relationship, you know, separation. So, but, uh, I just kind of got it done and I think it can be easy to overcomplicate things and it's really not that hard, you know? Um, and I would like choose one thing to focus on. Okay, I got my PPC up and then I just kind of let that run. But yeah, once I, with adding SKUs, the main thing for me when I was doing that was just doing images. And I like to do lifestyle photo shoots with photographers that I hire. But I would say on average per day, I was working let, like an hour. And then there would be some days, like if I had to make an order, if I had to do a photo shoot, you know, I would have some longer days. But in, in 2019, 20, like this year, I'm really working a lot more, but, but 2019, I mean, I was working like one or two hours a day. It was really not very much. It was a, it was a good year. <laughs> That's awesome. And what would you say the biggest thing that you owe to 
your success? Like, uh, is it your Instagram, your social media presence? Is it just the fact that you have good quality or, or, you know, not, not everybody can, can just scale up like you did, but what were some of the biggest things that helped you get to where you are now that no matter what category somebody's in, these are things that maybe they should focus or, or give a little bit more focus to, to help them scale up? Yeah. Well, what I will say about the scaling, I never took any loans. I started with $5,000 for my first inventory order. Um, I also started with a product that had over a hundred percent ROI. So if I sold 300 units, my first order was 300 units because my products are expensive. Um, and with the next order was 300 cause I couldn't afford more. And then the next order was 600. So for, for a year, I put absolutely everything back in. Um, and that was, that was what allowed me to scale, but, but you don't need $50,000 to start this business and you shouldn't put, I see people posting that something didn't work and they've lost $50,000. You, you, you don't need that much money. You know, I think when, I think it's good when you're starting to be doing everything yourself, um, and on the cheap, I was using people from Fiverr, you know, um, because it gets you more involved. And, and I definitely, I don't think my success was down to one thing, but I will say it is a combination of first really having a superior quality product, find a way to innovate and make it better. Because if you do, and you know, you do, it will, so will your customers. And, Mm -hmm. and I, and I also think go with your gut on something if, especially if your avatar is kind of yourself, which a lot of us do, um, trust your gut in, in the things that you would like and what you would want. I don't, I think sometimes we get bogged down in the data of, I mean, everybody, if you were looking just at the data, people would have told me not to do this product because at my price point versus what everybody else was selling my, my sample price that I wouldn't have been able to make any money because I would have had to keep my price at 40 bucks. I started selling way more when I moved to 60. Um, so I think have a high quality product. The other thing is that I always say to people is like images, images, images. That is such a huge part of your Amazon business. And I know it depends on what niche you're in, but what I like to do is hire a, I have a friend who's a wedding photographer. We have so many destination weddings here. So I hire him. We do photo shoots like every two or three months. And that way I get to control the content. I get my friends in it. Another thing that people love, like I don't use professional models. I use real women. And, and that comes through. There's still beautiful professional photographs, but with real people. And I think lifestyle photography is what people love because what you're selling is not the, the benefit or the feature of the product itself. You're selling the ideal lifestyle that you can live when you use this product. You know, if it's a kitchen thing, it's like we, I definitely wish in my best Instagram life that I was Martha Stewart in the kitchen, you know? Um, Uh and I'm not, but if I buy these like beautiful copper pots and pans, probably I'm going to, that will help, right? That's going to make me Martha Stewart. That's what I'm thinking when I'm buying the pots and pans. I'm not thinking that they're super heat resistant, you know, whatever. (laughs) I'm thinking it's going to make me Martha Stewart. So I think that that's what you really want to convey with your images um, and with branding. So I think branding, you know, it's really important to have a cohesive message and think, who am I talking to? And really 
what is the message I want to give them? And there's this amazing book called Building a Story Brand. Now I don't remember the author, but it's really short. And it's basically like you create a storyboard, like a movie storyboard or script for your brand. And um, and there's a sheet online that you go through, but it's how you're going to talk to your customers. And basically the main thing he says is that your customer is the hero. You are not the hero. Your brand is not the hero. Your product is not the hero. Your customer is the hero. You are the guide that's helping them along their hero's journey. That's awesome. So a couple of things that stood out there is definitely the branding and, and then the photography. And, and these are something that I think maybe some people, you know, don't put enough focus on. Now, you mentioned how Instagram plays a big role in your brand building. How many followers does your product brand have? On Instagram, I have like 6,500 followers. On YouTube, okay. I have over a thousand subscribers, but um, I get like 15 or 20,000 views a month on my, on my channel. So, I mean... What's your, what's your strategy as far as... I mean, do you have like a cadence that you do? Like, hey, I'm going to make Monday through Wednesday, I'm just going to do an informational post that's of value. And then on Thursday, I might show a product or... Like, what's your cadence for that? <laughs> that sounds very technical, Bradley. I know it is. I, I'm thinking that you don't have one, the kind that you're talking about, but maybe you have I'm, one and you don't even realize it. I'm like, I haven't made an Instagram post today. And I just go through my pictures that I, you know, my, my list of pictures. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty. And then I just wing it and think of something nice to say. Uh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. L l let's go to more actual some more technical stuff here but these are oh, questions no. that people okay. might have yikes you're an american citizen you live in costa rica you're selling on amazon usa so how does that work as far as taxes go like are you, are you taxed in costa rica or you just pay your taxes in america and all your bank goes to america and then how do you get money to costa rica yada 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 well i will preface this because i am a lawyer by saying you know it's different for everybody um so yeah I, because I'm a U.S. citizen, I had a bank account in the U.S. for a, a long time. So when I started my Amazon business, I just used a personal bank account. Um, I, I then next time that I went to the States, which was not until like a year and a half later, I opened a business bank account. But so Amazon pays me into the U.S. I pay U.S. income tax, but I'm also non-resident in the U.S. So I get a tax break from that. Ah. Okay. But I pay everything from, from the business aspect. It's all done through the U.S. When, and when I need money in Costa Rica, I mean, I still have my other income stream from the hostel. So uh, usually if I'm spending something, it's on travel. So I put it on my credit card. Otherwise, I just take it out of the ATM. I just do okay. things pretty simple. Love it. Your inventory. Do you ship? directly to Amazon every time from your factories? Or do you have a 3PL in the States? Obviously, you're not sending it to Costa Rica first. I tell you what, Bradley, I was wishing I had a 3PL right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't use a 3PL. So again, I definitely I am like path of least resistance on everything. I have an amazing supplier. Um, and I did my first shipments using a freight forwarder. And then I, I just developed a really good relationship and a lot of confidence in my supplier. So now they ship for me and, and it combines with other shipments. So I get a really good rate. Um, but yeah, so basically when 
my, I make my inventory order and I pay them the 30%. When I pay them the final payment, I do all of it. I pay for the shipping as well, like to my supplier and they arrange the shipping and that goes direct from them into Amazon. So okay, very easy. And yeah, it never comes into Costa Rica. The only thing I get in Costa Rica are samples. Okay. Now, last question is, you know, before the whole, you know, some items take 20 days to ship now or 30 days to ship, like, but just at the beginning of the coronavirus shenanigans, I guess you could say that was happening on Amazon. Did you see your sales increase since more people are at home? Did they decrease or what were you seeing at the beginning? Um, before Amazon messed everything up with this whole 30 day shipping thing. No, they were pretty much the same. They decreased less than 10%. Okay. And I think that's, I also have a premium price product. So people are kind of worried about, about, you know, financial stuff, but I'm also not that worried. I I don't think it's going to take Amazon 30 days to get this sorted out because I I don't think so. Customers are going to be in an uproar. (laughs) They already are, you know, that they can't get, people don't just need washing detergent. You're stuck at home for 30 days, you know, or two weeks or whatever, you know, you need other stuff and they're, they're hiring staff. So I don't think it's going to take them that long. And I think everything will bounce back pretty quick. All right, cool. Now, the last thing that we're going to do today is we're, you're going to give us like a 30 second tip, but before we get into that, we're going to do something that we play a little game that I play with the guests. And sometimes the listeners play along too. It's called the search volume game. All right. So I'm going to give you three search words that people use on Amazon. And I'm going to give you from Helium 10, the three different search volumes, like how many times they're searched for in a month. And what you're going to do is you're going to try and match the keyword with the search volume. So like you're, you're, you're basically already Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically you're, you're going to tell me which keyword you think is searched for the most to least kind of. All right. Okay, now, all right. since you said your, your, your uh, hostel there is in Tamarindo, or I should use my Spanish accent, Tamarindo. I'm going to give you three tamarindo-related keywords here, okay? (laughs) Okay. So, from the shortest to the longest keyword, they are tamarind, which is the English word for tamarindo. The next word is tamarind paste. And the last word is tamarindo Mexican candy. Now, the three search volumes, one of these keywords, or the one that is the least, is only searched for about 1,200 times a month. The middle one is searched for about 3,500 times a month. And the one of these three that is searched for the most is 5,000 times a month. So they're all, you know, not searched for wow, that much. I've got some new product ideas. 5,000 is all right. Yeah. Hey, 5,000 is not too shabby at all. But which one is the, just go ahead and, and, and sort it from least to most search. Tamarind, tamarind paste, tamarindo Mexican candy. Okay. I'm going to go tamarind paste, tamarindo Mexican candy. Uh, and then tamarind. All right. So the, the tamarind paste is the most searched. 5,000. Yay. Yep, yep. And the actual second one is actually just tamarind. So I don't even know what... Actually, as a matter of fact, I'm going to pull it up in Amazon right now. What comes up if you search just tamarind? Okay. So like tamarind concentrate, you know, comes up. It looks like an actual tamarind powder, fresh tamarind, tamarind chews. That would be interesting. <laughs> Anyways, and then, yeah, Tamarindo Mexican candy is only 1,200 times a month. So, uh, guys, if you want to visit the real Tamarindo, you can visit her hostel over there. She gives 50% discount for Amazon. Sell- no, I'm just playing. Helium 10 users get 25%. No, no, I, I, I need to stop. Uh, all right. Anyways, 
We're now to the yeah, point of the show. Everybody can come and visit me. I'll give you all huge discounts. Love it. Excellent. Excellent. Now we're to the back to the serious part of the show. This is called the or TST 30 second tip. So what is something I mean, you've been giving us tons of tips already throughout this whole episode. I know, but Bradley, you didn't give me any warning. I'm like, of course, I, know, I don't I don't let anybody know this. I don't give people warning. I want it to be kind of like spontaneous here. So something that you can say in 30 seconds or less, that's, you know, fairly unique and that's actionable and, and valuable that and it doesn't have to necessarily be Amazon. It could be how to run a hostel or it could be how to get your first reviews on Amazon. It could be how do you. uh keep mosquitoes away in Costa Rica. I, I don't know. But, but what is uh, what is your for us today? Well, I'm not going to say something helium 10 related because I'm sure I'll screw it up. I do use helium 10 software, by the way, for lots of things. But I would say in terms of social media, two things. Number one, use YouTube. I get 15,000 views a month and I don't pay for anything. Um, in fact, I get paid for ads. So um, YouTube is really underutilized and people love to see the face of the brand. The other thing on Instagram, which I just started doing, which I absolutely love is using Linktree. So the link in your profile, instead of just going to Amazon and then you only have one thing, you can use Linktree and um, it will go, it takes you to like a little, it's almost looks like a little mini website page and there's buttons. So it can be shop on Amazon and then you can have a button, read our blog, check out our website. Um, uh, yeah. So whatever you want in there, but I think it looks really professional and I think people love it. That's a cool tip actually, because uh, a lot of people just, you know, send it to one item and because you can only have one link on an Instagram profile, so they just send it to one item, but sending it to a landing page is a great idea. And so you don't even know this because at the time that we recorded it, you might not have heard it yet, but we just come out with a new tool that will do landing pages. So that could be something oh, that cool. you guys could, so could use I portals for. I give a Helium 10 super hack. There you go. You did. You I've did. All right. Well, back, Anne, <laughs> uh, I'll give you your commission uh, on that later. <laughs> but anyways, and thank you so much for joining us. I think you're a real inspiration to, you know, not just not just people who who might be single mothers like yourself, but just anybody who's interested, who, who's not very happy in their life right now, you know, whether they're in construction or whether they're an attorney or whether just whatever they're working for the man, you know, if they're frustrated. They can look to you and, and the kind of decisions that you made. And, and I just love how you just took action. You like didn't even know exactly what you're going to do, but you're like, you, you knew that you didn't want to keep doing what you're doing. And instead of just thinking about it and just dreaming about it, you actually took action. And then again, for a second time, you pivoted again and, and got to Amazon. And now you're, you're grossing ungodly amount of money, which has all of your former coworkers jealous of you. Uh, and a lot of people, I think, can relate to that. You know, they might want their their current coworkers to be jealous of them. So, guys, you just heard it from Anne. What took her to be successful now? And you can, you know, follow a little bit in her path. And and let's see, let's see if you guys can be the next uh, guest here to talk about your story. So, Anne, uh, I'd love to reach out to you next year, maybe around this time, and and let's see how you crushed twenty uh, twenty. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I really do want to add there that I, it is. There is like, you know, if, if, if you're listening and you're stuck in a job that you really don't like, and you feel like there's no other option. I felt like that for so long. Like I was so miserable. People would say how much, you know, how are you doing? Like, Hey, how are you? And my eyes would like just water, like tears would spurt out of my eyes. Um, I was so miserable and unhappy. And I just thought, well, this is how life is supposed to be. This was a path I chose and I can't go back on it. And I think if you want to make a change, 
you can do it. And, and it's really, it really is, it's not about technical skill, um, or, or how much money you have. It's just about your desire. Like you just have to say, I am going to do this and I'm going to make it work no matter what, because if you do that, if you, if you think that way, you can make it work. And I will say like, I think all the time, I mean, I'm sitting on this beautiful farm in the middle of the rainforest in Costa Rica and we're in quarantine and I'm here with my beautiful children. And like, I think all the time I could be in an office missing my entire children's lives. Like I was there with them the, since the day they were born. Um, and, and I pick my son up every day from school. And, you know, I just, I have a, it, the life that I live now almost makes me feel guilty to talk about it because it's like, I couldn't have ever even imagined it would be this good. And it just starts from like one decision to say, I am not happy. And I know there's more out there and I'm going to, it's not, you know, Amazon, none of this is a get rich quick scheme. You have to put in the work, but if you believe and you work and you don't stop working and you solve the problems, you can get there. Anybody can get there. I am technology dumb. Like I still can't even use a spreadsheet. Um, so anything is possible. That sounds so hokey, but like, it's true. Yeah. You can do it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, Anne, for being an inspiration myself. You inspire me and I'm sure you've inspired a lot of people who listen to us. Sorry, that was my Siri. <laughs> hey, it's all good. All right. Thanks, Anne. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Bradley. Quick note, guys, don't forget that regardless where you are listening to this podcast, whether it's on your iPhone or on Stitcher or on Spotify, that you hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified every time we drop a new episode.